Hi there and welcome to Doxadeo Bloemfontein North. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the message. For today, we're starting with our series called Come As You Are. It's a series we do once a year. And the angle that I'm taking this year is actually speaking about this idea that all of us connect to God in various ways. We are not the same. And uh, some people in the room really inspire you in the way they connect with God. But some people in the room really freak you out in the way they connect with God. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever felt out of place in a church setting? Or even at a worship night, or just something where you just feel like, it feels like these guys know something I don't. Okay? I love yet, but I yet. Sometimes, you know, we feel just a little bit out of place. Let me ask you another question. Think of the first time, or maybe of some special times, where you really connected with God. Maybe the first time you connected with God, or maybe you can't remember the first time, but, but just some of the most special times that you can think of of connecting with God in your past. I'm willing to bet that those times look a little bit different from my special moments of connection that I've had with God. Right. Uh, What I want to speak about today is actually the fact that we are all disciples of Jesus. The one that we are connecting with is, is Jesus, right? But the way in which we connect is sometimes different. And it's quite obvious because God has made us differently, and He's made us differently. And God is so big that He can connect with us and meet us where we are also, because He's bigger than us. He doesn't have one way only to connect with us. Um, if you think about some of the disciples, think about uh, Paul, if you've re- re- read some of his letters, and you, you think about a character like John. And you think about someone like Peter and and James that was the brother of Jesus that became one of his disciples. It seems like they've got different temperaments, almost different spiritualities. They're different, but they were all disciples of Jesus. Um, I think about my own boys. So I've got three boys. All three of my boys, I've got a father-son connection and relationship with them. But our relationship looks different. My relationship with Caleb looks slightly different than my relationship with Aiden, the way that it's expressed and the way that we connect with one another. So, so Caleb, my, my eldest, he, he's very conversational. And uh, I mean, the biggest treat for him is to sit down and play like chess. He doesn't even know how to play that well yet, but, but like, or tell me about the Legos that he's busy building. And man, he can talk for hours. It's long. Like after a while, you just nod your head and like, yeah, amazing. You, yeah, it's like usually an eldest kid kind of thing, I think. But anyways, when we talk, that's quality time for us. My, my second born, Aiden, he, he's more physical. Like he loves giving hugs. And all the other boys, they also do hugs, but he really loves it. And he loves like wrestling when we throw them, you know, in the pool. You know, Caleb also likes it, but Aiden loves it. And so quality time for him is maybe physical play. And so the same with you and I when it comes to God. It's a a child and a father connecting with one another, but quality time sometimes looks slightly different for each one of us. Now, one of the ways that you can explain this, or the word that you can use, is this word, spiritualities. We have got different spiritualities. Now, when I say that word, just a a warning, if you Google that word, 
some people use that word to refer to various religions, saying, you know, people got many spiritualities and they refer to other religions. What we're speaking about today, I'm referring to it in the context of discipleship to Jesus, okay? So we've got various spiritualities when it comes to connecting with the same God, um, which is uh, Jesus, right? So uh, that's the context that we're speaking about this. Now, there's a guy, uh, Christian Schwartz. Now, he wrote a book that we're using a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, for this conversation. Um, and he did research, or his uh, movement, it's a natural church development. They did research in 60,000 churches in 71 different countries. So all of the different denominations and traditions that you can think of, they did research, and not only 60,000 people, but 60,000 different churches. And what they came up with is that there is this thing as different spiritualities. And he's got nine that he speaks about, um, and, he, and he puts it into this color wheel, or this color compass about who God is and how we experience him in many different ways. But he defines spiritual styles uh, in the following way. He says, the way in which a believer connects most naturally with God. Now, um, an example that we can use is, it's like we all have got this different antenna. No antenna is like a satellite. And so there are certain radio frequencies that you can pick up that I struggle to pick up. There are certain radio frequencies that just, it's like God broadcasts very clearly to me, but other frequencies, the way God broadcasts, it's, it's kind of fuzzy for me, right? Um, and uh, let me give you an example. So for some people, if we have a time of worship, and we just go on, like, forever in worship. It's like some people, they just pick it up. And the rest of us are standing around waiting for the sermon. Because when it comes to the Word, that's a frequency that you pick up very clearly. But yet, for some others, it's not in this context. It's when you are isolated, alone, walking in nature. It's like God is broadcasting to you. For other people, it's in service. When they're helping the poor... It's like God is broadcasting to you. And so we've got various, you know, antennas or frequencies that we tend to pick up. Now, another way you can speak about it is spiritual languages. And uh, I think maybe just to use an example, we all have got a family member or a friend that sees a cloud. And when they see the cloud, I mean, we all appreciate a beautiful-looking cloud, right? And we appreciate, you know, okay, it's God that made that. We appreciate nature. But for some people, they see a cloud, and they are moved. It's like tears streaming down their face. It's like God speaks to them when they see a cloud. And some of us are like, what? Other people just can't get enough of listening to sermons, reading the Bible, Bible studies. And other people are like, really get bored out of their minds, right? And so we've got various antennas. Now, his whole theory in this book, Christian Schwartz's theory, is firstly that you've got a native style. It's like your mother tongue. That just comes very natural to you. But you also know how to speak other languages. And you can also grow and experience in God in various ways. Um, and so firstly, you've got your own style. And the encouragement is that you need to connect with God more in that style. Because you're hungry for God. And it's liberating to realize that I'm not the same as the person next to me, but I should be hungry and experience God in that way. Second part of the theory is that by learning from other people, you get to know God in different ways. 
in ways that you, didn't, you couldn't know by yourself also. And so if you're really hungry for God, you also want to get to know him in other ways also. And so let me just explain why this is important, because you might ask the question, okay, can't we just read a scripture and then talk about that? You know, why, why do we speak about this topic? Let me explain to you why I believe this is important for our specific church. Now, firstly, is, uh, it's possible for someone to have been exposed to church and to Christianity and have had bad experiences and even got hurt and uh, walk out of a church meeting feeling just like, you know, everyone else is very spiritual but me. But it's possible that you were just exposed to a certain kind of language or frequency that you don't really pick up. I experienced this. I don't know if you've experienced this before, but when I was young, and I've got no doubt that the people in that church, I remember some of those Sunday school teachers, they really loved Jesus passionately. But there were moments in that church where I was bored out of my mind. And so the assumption that I made was that I'm just not that spiritual. So essentially, I'm like a bad Christian. Because why am I not enjoying this as much as the, the person next to me? And then later in life, I actually found a community where there were some other channels also broadcasted. And I came alive. I literally came alive. So much so that I get so excited about church now, I'm giving my life to it. I became a preacher. That's what I'm doing with my life now. If you asked me in high school, I would have said, no, thank you. And so for me, it was just a matter of understanding or finding a new frequency. Now, uh, Tolstoy, he's got this quote where he says, When primitive people stop believing in their wooden God, it does not imply that there is no God, but simply that the true God is not wooden. And so I want to encourage you, if you are sitting here maybe today, and uh, you've gotten hurt maybe in the past, or you had some experiences where you didn't feel like you were connecting, but everyone else around you was connecting, it is possible that you know, the problem doesn't lie with Christianity in general or with Jesus. It was just a particular experience that you had. So I want to encourage you to keep on pressing in until you find you know, that excitement in God, and God speaks to you. So that's the first reason why this is important. Secondly, it's important that you discover a little bit about how God made you so that you can get, connect with God in a greater way. Because here's the thing. If you understand what quality time is for you, not for someone else, but if you understand what quality time is for you, you can have more of it. And that's always going to be the encouragement. If you figure out where your quality time is, expose yourself as much as possible to more of that. The third reason why it's important is to embrace people that are different from you. So in this, we can learn from others, and I'll show you why it's so important to never isolate yourself and always learn from other people. And here's the thing. I want to speak to God in all the languages available. Like, I'm hungry for I want to get to know God. It's like, you know, if you, if you witness a car accident, right? Um, if you've got one witness, you've got one account of that car accident. But if you've got four people that saw the same car accident... You've got four accounts. You've got more evidence. You, you can know what happened in a greater way. And so if I'm standing on the one side of the street and you're standing on the other side of the street and someone's standing over there or maybe high up and there's a car accident, afterwards I'm going to tell you the car came from the right-hand side and hit the other car. You're going to say, no, no, the car came from the left-hand side and hit the car. But if we get more accounts of what happened, we will have a fuller picture of what is happening. And that is my desire. I want to know God. Not according to my terms and conditions only, 
I want to know God in every way, the fullness of Him. So this picture that was developed is this color compass, and it's uh, three different colors that he uses. And this is just language. Just to say this, this is not so much about right and wrong. This is more just about if it's useful or not. And so it gives us a little bit of language in order to understand ourselves better and in order to understand other people better with the aim of connecting with God. And so that's what uh, this is about today. So basically, he's got the color green and the color red and the color blue, and he explains to us that, you know, God is actually three in one. God is Father, 100%, not 33.3%, he's 100% Father. He's also 100% Son, the Son of God, the incarnate God among us, but then he's also 100% the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Not 33.3% of each, but 100% of all of them. And so that's, why, that's where that picture breaks down. God is not only in the middle. God is actually outside of the picture, the whole picture. And so if you want to know more of God, you can go even further into the red and further into the green, further you know, into the blue. It's not to become less of what you are, but actually just more, but also growing and, and learning from others. And uh, so one way to understand this is Father, the Son, and the Spirit. All of us, if you're honest with yourself, there is a part of the character of God that you connect with more naturally. It could be the father. Uh, maybe you've been hurt by a father, and you've really struggled to connect to the father. It took you time to get there, but it was a lot easier for you to connect to the spirit or to connect to the son. So some of us, we, we learn, we get to know God firstly, and then we grow to get him to know him in all of his fullness. But we first get to know him in terms of location as the God above us, the creator God above us. Some of us get to know God as the God among us, the incarnate God Jesus, the one that, that comes down to be with us and live a life that we can see and get called to that life. Some of us get to know God as the God inside of us. Is he one of the three? No, he's all of the three. But we sometimes gravitate to one or the other. Let me just quickly speak about the green spirituality. So I'm going to make the language. So in the next few weeks, some of you are going to call one another out and say, you look like you're a green Christian. Or you, like, you look like a blue Christian or a red one, right? So I'm going to speak about the, the greenies and the red ones and the blue ones. Okay, bluey. So when it comes to the more green type of spiritualities, now again, these are massive generalizations, but hopefully the language is useful and opens up our hearts to those around us, but also helps us to embrace who we are. Um, so the more green uh, spiritualities are those who have got an acute appreciation for nature and the fact that God is the creator God that has created this natural order in our world. It's usually also associated with those that, that love understanding the nature of God and the nature of things on, in this world, because if we can understand it using science and your rationale is, but also understand how the world works and take that wisdom and in that way you're connecting with God and um, engaging in this world. It's also a spirituality that is world-focused, not worldly, but focused on the world, understanding that the gospel is good news to the world. It's because God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, right? So, so, the, so, so to focus our efforts onto the world, that's more the green kind of spiritualities. And it's the understanding that although there is a kingdom coming, the kingdom is already present now. 
That's the gospel, right? And the Holy Spirit has already been poured out. We are living in the new kingdom. It's an understanding that the new earth and, and, and new heaven is busy being ushered in. There's a reality that has already started. So it's not only an eternal focus and a then focus, but also a now focus. How are we helping the poor now? How are we fixing the systems in our city now? So typically, the green kind of Christians, you will say, when we do the street store project, where we you know, get a number of schools and businesses and churches to work together for the good of our city, or when we start neighborhood associations and we find solutions for our economy right here, now, then you say, God worked today. We saw that God was busy working today. Right? And so for some of you, it, it really just connects. Then you get the red kind of spiritualities, and uh, this is a strongly word-based kind of approach. Not to say that the others don't use Scripture, but everything needs to be based in the Word. So it's not only world-focused, but word-based. And usually an acute appreciation for the fact that Jesus came to die for our sins so that the separation between us and the Father has been canceled and that your sins are forgiven. You are now a child of God because of the blood of Jesus over your life. And the red kind of Christians will say, when we come together and we take a long passage of Scripture, we do Bible study together, and we do an altar call, and is there anyone that needs to get saved today? And some people pick up their hands or put up their hands. They say, God worked today. <laughs> when people actually get salvation, that's right. And so it's a focus on the Word, but also on the person of Jesus, which is extremely important. And it's about standing firm in the Word of God. In terms of truth, if truth is very important to us. And then there's the blue kind of spiritualities, which has a great appreciation for the Spirit of God. And they will typically tell you that this new kingdom has been ushered in by signs and wonders. Read your Bible. What? How can you not be expectant for any signs and wonders after reading the Gospels and seeing what Jesus has done? Seeing the of God. So it's appreciation for the power of God moving and encountering God. So in as much as the green spiritualities can, can, can connect with God with their intellect and, and by looking at nature, so also God can connect with you in your emotions. It's possible. Not only is there an appreciation of the natural order, but among the blue spiritualities, it's like, well, God is not bound to the natural order. He created it. And therefore, he can even violate his own laws of nature by like, walking on water and quieting down the storm. And it's a hunger. So when we see the supernatural happening, or when we are standing together and, and, and we experience God in a deep sense, and, and even on an emotional level, we'll say, God has worked today. And so which one is the most important? Well, it's God. It's connecting to God. And my point is not, so let me just quickly make this very clear. The plan is not that you walk out here and say, okay, I don't have to ever uh, worry about worshiping in a deeper way like the other people around me because I'm just more of a green slash red kind of person. It's about my intellect. No. If you're hungry for God, you want to experience Him in every way. And so my hope is that you would challenge yourself to learn from those who are different from you, to know that you know, the way that God has made me is not the only way that I want to grow in areas that I'm not like yet. But at the same time, that you would not feel guilty about how God made you. <laughs> that you'd embrace who you are 
and that you define quality time for you, and that you'd have more and more and more quality time for yourself. So here are the three dangers when it comes to those three. So the one is more world-focused, the other one is more word-based, and the other one is more spirit-driven. But if you only have, uh, we can just go back to the other one that says, um, maybe the other, oh, it doesn't matter. So if you are only word-based, the danger is that there's no you know, concern for the world. This truth is actually meant for someone. And you can fall into legalism, right? Vetisrak. So you are so right, but no one wants to have anything to do with you. And so you're being persecuted, but not for the gospel, because people don't like you. And so we can be so focused on the truth, but it's not affecting anyone if we're not world-focused. And also, it becomes dead religion when we are not spirit-driven. We have to understand that the whole word that we are reading, the Bible, was orchestrated and written by the Holy Spirit himself. And so the danger when we are only word-focused, but we don't have a word-based, but we don't have a world-focused or spirit-driven, we will fall into trouble. And therefore, we need one another. If you're only spirit-driven, but there's no word-based and no world-focused, we become this little group of seven people that have got the most amazing worship evenings together. But it's only us. And we're seeing wonderful things happen, but it's only us. Because we're not relatable to the world. Because we don't care about the world. We just want to have a nice experience. Or there's no space where someone can challenge you. Say, I, I understand what you feel, but the Bible is saying something different. And what you are saying is not going to help the world. And so we, you never get challenged. So the, the, the danger um, can be subjectivism. That you're just subject. It's just subjective uh, view of, of truth. And then the final one, if you're only world-focused, but there's no word-based or spirit-driven, there's no power to actually change the world. And also the, 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 the concern would be relativism. And you essentially become a social justice organization or political party. We try and do good things for the world, but you lose your distinctness of Jesus Christ. You lose the truth that there is a point of exclusion, and his name is Jesus. And there's no power in the movement. We're just another political party trying to do nice things for our city. But we're not busy building the kingdom of Jesus. And so we need one another. Now, uh, Christian Schwartz goes on, and he lists nine various spiritualities. So we can just quickly put them up there. I'm not going to go into all of them, um, but... I think maybe we'll get back to them in one of the other weeks. I want to be mindful of time because uh, it is summer, right? So the point is there are a number of different spiritualities that they put in these various categories and where some of them obviously overlap and it's useful language. But the point I think what each of us need to understand is that God wants quality time with you. He's made you in a unique way. You need to find out what quality time looks like for you at the same time in this church. This is so helpful because this church is a very diverse church. If you were to go around and you ask all of the people where they find their roots in terms of, of tradition, right, or like church tradition, in this church, I kid you not, we've got people that are very reformed background, and so our worship is a little bit wild for them. But then we also have got people that are super Pentecostal or even charismatic, and they also complain because the worship is too light. It's like we, you know, we're too tame. 
We have got people in this church from Orthodox backgrounds, from Catholic backgrounds, from every background that you can imagine. I've spoken to you. I know that we've got people from various different backgrounds, and that is why this is so important. God has given us this smarty box. Now, we are not trying to, how can I say, satisfy everyone. That's not the point. Try and find this little church in the middle that just accompanies everyone. That's not what we're about. We want to be radical about our relationship with God. But we do want to acknowledge that people are different, and we connect to God in a, in a different way. Just a fun fact. What they found in this research, 60,000 different churches, they found the nine different spiritualities in each and every of those churches. So, so it's not like if you go into a Pentecostal church, there might be instead of 11%, there might be about 20% of the people that, that is their native style. But the point is, it's got little to do with tradition. It's actually got more to do with, you know, who God made you to be. And so it's just important for us to understand, the point is not that we're going to be this mellow church right in the middle. We want to encourage one another to connect with God, have quality time with Him, but also learn from the brothers and sisters that are not like you. Myself, the opposite pole for me is the sacramental type of spirituality, meaning rituals where you, with your physical body, do certain rituals in church. Some people actually experience God in that way. That was news to me. I thought they just didn't speak to God. And so that's why I reckon doing Lent together, which is more of a ritual, might be good for us you know, as a church to grow ourselves in those ways. Because here's the thing. I love God. I want to speak to Him in all the languages available. <laughs> I want to pick up all the channels that God is busy broadcasting in. We want to grow in those areas. At the same time, I know where God really meets me most of the time, and I want more of that. Let me quickly give you an example of a red disciple. So, so this week, I'm going to quickly show you, just that you don't feel alone. If you already identified that you're the red kind of disciple, that's like more, you know, scripture-based, and uh, it's about the doctrines or maybe about sharing the gospel, just to show you you're not alone, um, you've got some wonderful things that God wants to use but also there are some shadows that you have to grow in, okay? Um, and next week, we're going to speak a little bit more detail about the green kind of disciples and what we can grow in, but also what we can embrace. And so I think that's really going to be good. You're going to enjoy that. I've invited Dani, and uh, I think, you know, he might tell you differently, but I think he's a very green disciple, <laughs> okay? And then in the last week, we're going to speak about the more bluish kind of disciple. So an example of a very red disciple. I don't know if you can guess. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he was very big on the truth, but he was an angry man sometimes in his life. He was persecuted for the name of Jesus, but otherwise, uh, sometimes only persecuted because he was Paul. Not all of his persecution was for the name of Jesus. He lost some of his own friends like Peter and Barnabas and even James, I reckon, just because he had lots of truth, but he was still growing in love. Now, it's an interesting thing. Galatians, the book of Galatians, um, Paul wrote, and then 10 years later, Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. Now, if you were to go and read the book of Galatians and the language that you find in there, and then go read the book of Ephesians, you will find that Paul grew in love. Even in Ephesians 4.15, he says, let's speak truth to one another in love. But it's like in Galatians, he was saying, let's just speak truth to one another. <laughs> Let me show you. I know you don't believe me, but you have to understand that if it were not for someone like this, that, that 
lay down the line saying, this is the gospel, we would be very uncertain about truth today. And we need more of this. We don't need, you know, for the red guys to become a little bit less red. We need you to be very red. But also understand that's not the only color, right? Otherwise, we're going to fall into the trap where everything is relative. And we're going to be afraid to speak the truth in the church because we're scared of what the world actually thinks. And so Paul writes, listen to this language, Galatians 1 verse 6 to 10. I'm astonished, and he's writing to a church that he really loves, okay? But he's very straightforward. I'm astonished at how quickly, uh, um, sorry, that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to prevent the gospel of Christ. But even if we, if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you back then, which was the gospel about Jesus, let them be under God's curse. So it's not like tell them they're wrong. It's like let them be cursed. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? And so he goes and says, listen, I'm not trying to please people. And so some of the red people, they're like, come on. Like we, we're so scared of what people think. This is a good thing, right? But listen to some of the language, how, how, the, how it sort of develops. Galatians 2 from verse 11 to 14. Now, get this. He was a disciple of Jesus. Peter, the apostle Peter, also wrote a book in the New Testament, is mentioned in this passage. His name is Cephas. His other name, Peter's other name is Cephas, as well as James and Barnabas. These were, these were all heavyweights. We would think that they were best of mates, and maybe they were up until this moment. I want to ask you, I'm going to read you this, and you tell me whether Peter was still friends with Paul after this. So this is what happened. This is in the Bible, right? It's not like another source. Like it says the Bible's boring. Listen, read this. Galatians 2 from verse 11 to 14. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. He was wrong. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. So there were some people preaching that you need Jesus, but also you need to get circumcised. So it's Jesus plus some of the Jewish laws, okay, some of the Jewish feasts. And he was saying, no, it's Jesus plus nothing, okay? So he was afraid of that circumcision group. Um, the other Jews... Uh, Sorry, the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas, like weak Barnabas, was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, to Peter, in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow your Jewish customs? So instead of taking him aside and correcting him in love in front of all of them, Starts chirping him. Galatians 4, verse 19 to 20. Paul's still angry about the circumcision party preaching something else. He says the following. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. Afrikaans it says, So he's literally writing, I'm actually shouting at you now. I'm angry at you. And, and get this, so he's really angry at the circumcision party, and then he goes on in Galatians 5, verse 12, colorful language. As for those agitators, I wish they would go all the way and emasculate themselves. 
Afrikaans sê, ek wens hulle kan hulle self ontman. So they preaching the circumcision, he's like, I wish they would just go, go all the way. He's angry. Now, is what Paul's saying not the truth? It's 100% the truth. If you try and add anything onto the gospel of Jesus, it's a different gospel. He's saying Jesus plus nothing. Because of a book like Galatians, we know the gospel is Jesus plus nothing and Jesus minus nothing. Galatians is the, is the book that we go to when people try and add many other fancy things to our gospel. So thank God for Paul and Galatians. Now, I don't think he was friends with Peter after this. I think there might have been a way that he could have learned maybe a bit something from Peter a little bit earlier. Um, and the way in which he com- com- conveyed the truth, still sticking to the truth. Because in Ephesians, we see he still speaks the truth. He doesn't hold back on the truth. He doesn't compromise one bit. But you can see he became like a granddad. He didn't have children of his own, but those, those churches, like it's like he became a little bit wiser and softer. I'm gonna, not going to read all of those scriptures to you, but he, he, he says in Ephesians 4, be, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. It's like this Paul. Where's the Paul from Galatians? <laughs> Right, be humble, bear one another in love. And he speaks about unity so much, saying that there shouldn't be any fighting, no bitterness, forgive one another, find one another. But he still says, speak truth, but do it in love. And so there's something of growth, and I just love that picture, because for you and I, where you are now, embrace who you are, be hungry for God. But there is growth for all of us. And we can learn from others by exposing ourselves up to others. And so if you're the red kind, do lots of Bible study, do Bible reading. If you're not busy part of a Bible study group yet, if you're not reading a book at the moment, read one. If you're not listening to sermons often, listen to lots of sermons. That's good for you. It feeds you. So feed the thing that you know that's the area where I connect with God. But also be open to learn from others. Then I'll, I'll just close off with um, a scripture. And before I do that, I really want to say the, the heart here today um, is that you'd be hungry for God. Maybe you've experienced God in a very limited way. And there's so much of God still left for you to discover. You know, in those other styles. But maybe, maybe, even just in your own style, you haven't leaned into it enough. If you already know that God communicates to me, go more deeper into that. Be hungry for God. I'm going to close off by just telling you the story of how Paul got saved. Because here's the thing. God calls all of us in different ways, right? Uh, Not all of us are called in the same way um, when it comes to our salvation. And this part doesn't have to do anything with color, like the the green, the the red, or the blue. But God meets us in different places. Now, it's a a cool story in Acts chapter 9 from verse 1 to 6. It says, meanwhile, Paul was still breathing out murderous, so this is, sorry, his name was Saul, and then he became Paul. But when he was still Saul, he was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, so this is the way of Jesus, um, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. 
So the Christians knew that Paul was persecuting, Saul was persecuting the Christians. Just because you are a Christian, he would arrest you. The story of Saul is he was a Pharisee, a Jewish man. And so get this, he was part of the right religion. It's the religion that Jesus was promised to, and Jesus came out of that, and he was the fulfillment of that religion, right? He, he, he concluded that religion. Now we are in Christ Jesus, but it was the fulfillment of that religion. So Saul was part of the right religion. It's like he was part of Christianity in today's terms. He was part of the church, even one of the leaders, a very vocal Christian that would address other people for doing church in the wrong way. That was Saul. But he was missing one thing. He was missing Jesus. The most important thing. And so then it goes on in his story, verse 3. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I love that. It's like if you persecute the church, you're persecuting Jesus. That's how personal Jesus takes the church. That's why I don't dare criticize churches. Because I'm criticizing Jesus also. Right? He says, you're persecuting me. Say, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And he says, I am Jesus. Now go, go into the city and you'll be told what to do next. And he became, he became a follower of the way. And in the end, he gets persecuted for the thing he was persecuting, for following Jesus. That Paul that was preaching religion, that met Jesus, he threw away all of his religion. And in Galatians, he tells them, you're trying to add religion to Jesus. We follow a man, his name is Jesus. Friends, the reason I'm telling you this story, it is possible for you. This is important. This is the last thought I want to share with you. I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, Albert's going to do some announcements. It's possible for you to be part of church your whole life, but miss Jesus. It's possible for you to be part of the right religion, the Jesus religion, on the form you took Christianity, and even be de devoted to that, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus. When we speak about these three colors, we're speaking about having a relationship with Jesus. God wants to have a relationship with you. I heard this story when I was studying about this one guy, and he used to, there's no other word for it, right? He used to drink a lot, get drunk every Saturday night, but he was a very religious guy, and he would always say, I'm very serious about my religion, which was Christian. And so on a Saturday night, he would drink up until 12 o'clock. And when the clock hits midnight, he would stop drinking. Even when he was drunk, he was saying, because I don't drink on Sundays. <laughs> Thinking, honoring God in that way. And be devoted to going to church, but there's no relationship to Jesus. Friends, we're not speaking about a religion. That was Paul's problem. He was much more religious than any of us here. Part of the right religion, but he missed Jesus. My question to you is, do you know Jesus? That's the question. Let's all stand together. I want to pray for us. Firstly, I'm going to pray for a hunger in us, that we get to know Jesus more. Even when we speak about various spiritual styles, you have to understand the focus the broadcaster is Jesus. Lord Jesus, we, we open up our hearts and uh, 
we open up ourselves, God. We want more of you, Jesus. We want to connect to you. That is my prayer, and I believe it's the prayer of many of the people standing here today, is that we want to connect in new ways to you, Jesus. Even in old ways, ways that we used to connect when we were younger. We want to go back to those ways, God, because we're hungry, we're desperate. God, God, I pray for a desperation in our hearts, that we would be so hungry and so desperate that we would do crazy things just in order to to connect with you, Jesus. Even this 40-day Lent period that's coming up, God, it's because we're desperate for you. We want to connect with you in a new way, Jesus. And so that is the cry of our hearts. I know it's the cry of so many of our hearts here. We want to connect to you, Jesus. We love you. And then secondly, I just want to ask the question. Maybe you identify yourself with Paul when it comes to his salvation story, and you know that you've been in church, you know the religion, but you don't know the man Jesus. And if that's you, won't you just raise your hand, because we'd love to pray with you. I was in church. There's a lady raising her hand. Thank you. It's a man in us. But let's give them a hand. Praise you, Jesus, for that. I'm going to speak to them in a moment. Is there anyone else? Do you realize, maybe, maybe I know the religion, but I don't know the man Jesus. And I want a personal relationship with him. If that's you, you can just raise your hand. Because we want to start this road of discipleship with you. Wonderful. Just to that couple. But I want, I'll just quickly speak to you. I just want to say, God uses people like you. <laughs> Paul was way worse than you. <laughs> Peter <laughs> was way worse than you. God loves using you. He wants to use your uniqueness, your unique relationships that you have got with people. He wants to use those things. First, he wants to connect with you. But secondly, he wants to use you as a chosen instrument. That's the words that he spoke to Paul. He says, I'm going to use them as one of my chosen instruments for this gospel of mine. God wants to use you as a chosen instrument. So Flippy is behind you. I'm going to ask that you just you know, pray with them, maybe just hear what their story is. And uh, our question to you is we'd love to get you connected. And uh, if you've not been baptized, 18th of February, two weeks from now or two, three weeks from now, we've got a baptism year. You can just sign up your name on that form and uh, we'll invite you to the baptism class because that's the place where we physically, publicly tell everyone, I follow Jesus. And maybe that be your story. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Jesus, for that. Thanks, Flippy. Um, and uh, let me just pray for us. Lord Jesus, we love you. We love you. We want more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you were able to listen in. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit our website or follow us on social media at Doxa Bloemfontein North. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel.